hope you will too. And have a lot to do with the Hasidic Mishnagid controversy and debate that happened about 150 years ago in Lublin. So certain background information is necessary. There was a great man by the name of Rabbi Kiva Eger. We've all heard of him. He was one of the greatest scholars of the last couple hundred years. And he passed... <clears throat> he is born... In, um, in 1761, passes away 1837 in Posen. He's buried in Posen, and we actually know that he once met up with the Mittel Rebbe. The Mittel Rebbe set a special mimer for him, a long mimer, and those that were there passed, on, passed over that... Although the Bikivegi represented the ultimate scholarship and the Mittel Rebbe was, was a Rebbe, but the Bikivegi was Nisrashim, he was tremendously impressed by the Mittel Rebbe's scholarship, and the Mittel Rebbe was impressed by the Bikivegi's saintliness and piety. Either way, Rabbi Bikivegi had a mild stance towards Chsidim, he never came out against us, he was a, a quiet friend, we would call him. <clears throat> However, you do wonder how his life would have been enhanced you know, had he been a chassid, because really in learning, you know, he's, he's, he's unbelievable, you know, he's almost like he's, he's, he's unfallible in learning, you know, it doesn't make a mistake, and his crystal clear logic and his depth of mind is just apparent in any, in any work that he ever wrote. He had a son, he had a son whose name was Reb Shloyme, Reb Shloyme Eger, was also an, a mighty scholar, an incredible scholar, but he was also a noted misnagid, a heavy misnagid, unlike his father. Reb Shloyme lived in Warsaw for a number of years because he married into a family in Warsaw. And Reb Shloyme actually, after his marriage, he went into business. He used to learn, and he was a, uh, he was a businessman, and he was quite successful. Until some saga uh, happened, transpired, in which he lost all his money. And he ended up, you know, he went into the, the rabbinate. He became a rabbi, you know. <laughs> you <fall laughs> if back, all else you know, fails. Like the Friedrich Rebbe wanted that the Bochrim in Teim Chet Mimim should be uh, acquainted with either Shechita or Mila or Safras to be a Sefer. It's based on Chazal. But the reason the Friedrich Rebbe wanted it was that just in case, if all else fails, they'll be able to have a backup Parnassa. No, people can't say, you went to yeshiva, no, and now you can't do anything. No, no, I'm a cipher, I'm a male, or I'm a sheikh, you have a backup, Parnassar. So Shloyme Eger became, uh, he was a rav in different cities. He himself had a son. His son's name was Reb Label. And when Reb Label was a kid, he showed signs, uh, he showed signs of, uh, of, uh, of genius, a brilliant boy. He grew up in Warsaw because when he grew up, his father, his parents still lived in Warsaw. In Warsaw at the time, there was a young man who was a, a world-famous scholar already at the time, the Chidushe Harim, Rabbi Yitzchak Meir. Rabbi Yitzchak Meir originally grew up in the house of the Koznitz Hamagid, Rabbi Yisrael of Koznitz. Bishol of Koshnitz had known the Chidusharim's parents, and then he took the Chidusharim into his own house and he raised him. 
In fact, when the Chidush Yadim was younger, Rabbi Yisrael of Kozhnitz told him, I want to instruct you in three things. One thing is, every day, Minchen Ma'ariv, I want you to daven b'yechidus. Minchen Ma'ariv, you daven alone. Secondly, every day I want you to be mechadish something. Every day needs a new chiddush in learning. Number three, in the back of your Gemaras, on the riff, you will find many comments from one of the Rishonim known as the Baal Hamar. Can I tell this once? Can I tell this once? Okay, all right. That was a Thursday night share. So. But it's quick anyhow. And... Uh, the Ramban wrote a sefer known as Muhammad Hashem to defend the riff from the tax of the Baal Hamor. Says the Kajun Tzamagi to the Chidush Yarim, you have a responsibility, a duty, to defend the Baal Hamor from every, every argument that the Ramban wrote against him. And the Chidush Yarim said that was highly difficult to accomplish, but it sounded like he did accomplish it. Anyhow, the Chidush Yarim was in Warsaw. And he was a chassid. And he had gathered a whole following around him in Warsaw. This label, Eger, who was a, perhaps a young teenager, was attracted to this group of people, and chassidus was rubbing off on him. When his father, Shloyme Eger, got wind that his son is hanging around amongst the chassidim, he was furious, and he sent his son out of town. He sent him to Mesnagdish Yeshiva, one of the big Rosh Yeshivas, and then he also sent him to his own father, Rabbi Kiva Eger. He said, Yezayde. And he said, and uh, he said, Yezayde will deal with you. But Rabbi Kiva Eger was sympathetic towards Chassidim. So Rabbi Shloimer didn't get his desired, uh, the desired result that he wanted. After a number of years, this Rabbi Label Eger, he gets married in Lublin. So we're talking about the Rabbi Kiva. There was his son, Reb Shleimer, the Misnagid, and then now we're dealing with the grandson, Reb Label. Reb Label went to Lublin, and he married a girl from a, a, a wealthy Misnagdisha family. His father couldn't have been happier. Now his son could learn. But when Reb Label was in Lublin, he wasn't free from Chassidim. There were many Chassidim there as well. Because not too long before, there was an, a great Chassidic Rebbe, Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak Horowitz, the Chayz of Lublin, who had passed away, he actually passed away a year before Rabbi Label was born. So Rabbi Label never saw him. The Chayz passes away 1815. Rabbi Label's born 1816. So Rabbi Label never saw him. But, but he was also the, in Warsaw. Right, he was also in Warsaw, exactly. But there were many Chassidim in Lublin. You see, there's a little bit of a... Some more history over here. The Chayz of Lublin did something um, highly remarkable and difficult to, to understand. While his Rebbe, Rebeli Melech of Lizhensk, was still alive, the Chayz broke away and, and started his own court while his Rebbe was alive. Well, the same thing happened to the Chayz himself. While he was alive, he had a student with the same name as him, Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak, from Pshischa, known as the Yid HaKadosh, the Holy Jew, the Yid HaKadosh broke away from the Chayzeh while the Chayzeh was alive. Intriguingly, the Yid HaKadosh passed away before his Rebbe, right before. The passing of the Chayzeh of Lublin 
is a remarkable, um, fantastic story on its own right. The Rebbe once made mention of it. He was trying to bring Mashiach. I don't know if it, it was on. It was on. Okay, it's a long story in its own right. But either way, after the Yidak, the Yidak Kaddish passes away, shortly after his own Rebbe, the Chayza passes away, and then ultimately that line of Chsidus ended up in the hands of Reb Simcha Bunim of Pshischa. Reb Simcha Bunim of Pshischa. And many of these Chsidim, they were Chsidim that were living in Lublin. So Reb Label Eger was rubbing shoulders with these Chsidim. After Reb Simcha Bunim passed away, he was succeeded by Reb Mendel of Kotsk. So you had the Chayz of Lublin, the Yidah Kodesh of Pshischa, then Reb Simcha Bunim of Pshischa, and then Reb Mendel of Kotsk. And this Reb Label Eger was attracted to the Kotsker while he was living in Lublin, while he was married into Misnagdisha family. His father, Reb Shloimer, heard about it. At some point, his father sat Shiva. At some point, Reb Shloimer Eger's recorded he sat Shiva for the fact that his son joined the group of Chassidim. He even traveled to Kotsk to try and bring his son back home, back to the fold. The son didn't want to go, but his Rebbe of Mendel of Kotsk convinced him, Rebbe, you got to go. He went back to Lublin. His Shver wanted him to divorce his wife. It was a whole Maise. Baruch Hashem, he was able to stay married, but he remained a fervent Chassid. Was his grandfather still alive, Rebbe Kiviger, at this point? Is he involved in any of these things or no? Not that we know of. Not that we know of. Apparently there's a letter where he... Uh, I once heard there's a letter that he wrote to his... You know, allow, you know, allow, Good. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was okay with it. Reb Mendel of Kotsk, in the last 20 years of his life, he was almost a hermit, unfortunately. And very few people were able to see him. He almost remained in his house, in his room, the entire day. So one of his chsidim, Reb Mordechai Yosef Liner, opened up his own shop known as Ishbitzah Chsidis. While the Kotzka was alive, history repeated itself, and Ishbitz Chsidis was created. And Reb Label Eger joined the Ishbitzah Rebbe. He left the Kotzka to join the Ishbitzer, who had been the Kotzker's Talmud, and this was while the Kotzker was alive. But he was, while he was alive, but secluded. But he was exactly secluded. He was secluded, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It happened again and again. The Kotzker was known for a short... Sharp, right, right, that, that was even while he was talkative. Imagine sharp, he wasn't talkative yeah. anymore. Sharp Anyhow, lines. the Ishbitzer then passes away also while the Kotzker's still alive. Reb Label Eger wants to go back to Kotsk, and lots of people don't let him. Ah, oh, you want to come back? When it was convenient for you, you went to Ishbitz. Now that your Rebbe is no longer, you want to come back? He ended up opening up his own shop in Lublin. Reb Label Eger became a Rebbe in Lublin. So now we're in the year 1865. Reb Label Eger is a Rebbe in Lublin. He has hundreds and more thousands of followers. He's a highly magnetic personality. Lublin. <coughs> Lublin. He has Sfarim. Tadas Emes, he has Sfarim. Anyhow. So what was the controversy? So here we go. The Label Eger was known to Davin in, 
unconventional times. He was davening Shachris very late. Who knows when he davened Mincha and Mayrif. In fact, his father, Reb Shleimer, once wrote to him, What are you doing? Don't you remember what you learned when you were younger about davening the Zmanim of Tefillah? And Reb Leibel wrote to his father, Tate! I don't serve the sun and the moon and the stars. I'm not a Oivet Kechav Mazelos. I don't serve the sun. I don't serve the moon. I don't serve the constellations. You have to daven when the sun is this part of the sky and the mincha before the sun reaches over here. I don't serve the sun. That's what his, <laughs> his, uh, his chassidic uh, retort, retort to his father was. Anyhow, but there was a practice that he had. He was a male. And all of his chassidim wanted him to mal their kids. But he couldn't mal first thing in the morning. It took time. It took lots of time. He was preparing. He was misbeinen. It took a lot of time until he was ready to do the miller. And it would happen way late in the day, sometimes close to Shkir. So, there was a, a Misnagdi Shadrav in Lublin, whose name was Rabbi Yeshua Heshel Ashkenazi. And this Rabbi Yeshua Heshel Ashkenazi was highly unhappy with the practices of Rabbi Leibel Eger. And in the year 1865, he wrote uh, poster signs and plastered them around Lublin. And, exactly. And he says like this, he says, really, you know, I don't want to get into this, I'd rather do my own thing, but I am the rabbi of the city, and therefore I'm obligated to speak up. He says, I'm not mentioning by name, there are those that have wild practices concerning Bris Miller, and instead of doing it early in the morning, they have no problem in delaying it to late, late in the afternoon. And he said, it's a shanda, we can't have this happen. And he has three arguments. And here we go. He starts with number one. Number one, it's a gemarim psochim davdalot amadalov. This old man, this old man, says the says the gemara psochim number one. So you're wondering, what does it have to do with this week's parsha? Parsha's lechukot when the mitzvah of Bris Miller was given. That's the connection to the, to this week. The pasuk says in the on, in Parsha's Tazria that on the eighth day, Yimol Besar Lasoi, the flesh of the Arla has to be circumcised. The Tanya, there is a brisa that says the following. The whole day is kosher for Miller. Ella, however, shezrizin maktimin lemitzvus. Those that are zoris, those that are uh, quick, maktimin lemitzvus, they bring the mitzvah earlier. Shenemra, as we see, vayashkem Avram babayker. By the akeda, Avram woke up early in the morning. First thing, first thing. So that's what the Gemara says, and this is brought in Shulchan Aruch. Even though the whole eighth day is kosher for Miller, but first thing in the morning is the way it's supposed to be. So Rabbi Shua Heshkel Ashkenazi writes, listen, you can't get any clearer than this. You can't push off a bris Miller. First thing in the morning, you got to do it. Okay. That's number one. Number two, says we know a story in Pasha Shmois that because Moshe was lax, Moshe had a cheshben, but ultimately he pushed off the miller of his, of his son, 
And therefore, Moshe was almost killed. The snake came and swallowed him up. As the Pesach says, clearly in Parsha Shmois. So it says, Rabbi Yeshua Heshel Ashkenazi. Moshe Rabbeinu had good reasons to push off the mill. It was a sakana, right? He didn't want to mal his kid and then travel. Moshe had good reasons to push it off. Yet, yet, the Eibishter had, you know, the Eibishter held him accountable. And you have this rabbi who was just sitting there and communing with the Eibishter. He's being misbeined and he's contemplating about God and pushing off the miller. How do you explain that? Too late in the afternoon. It's pushing, it's reason you're pushing off the miller. And the third issue he had was like this. There is a din that on Friday, on Friday you're allowed to wash and have a meal in the morning until the, until the beginning of the 10th hour. But an extra, an extra large suda, a mishta, a feast that you don't usually have, you should not ever have on a Friday, even in the morning. It's not respectful to Shabbos to come in full. So, what do you do by a bris miller? You don't have a choice. You have to do it Friday, so you make the suda Friday. But says Yeshua Shalashkenazi, obviously you do it the first thing in the morning. Really, you shouldn't have a meal Friday. Elamai, you have no choice, so do it as early in the day as you can, as order not to impede on, on, uh, on Shabbos. And he says, and yet you have these bris millers that happen late Friday afternoon. They have these suddhas right before Shabbos. He says there's nothing more disgusting than entering Shabbos with a full stomach. You know, you know it's like a marshal that imagine you haven't seen one of your parents for a while and they call a good friend, they come to visit, they come to visit you and you arrange to go out to eat. And you go to the restaurant and you're catching up and, the, and, you know, and your, your parent is ordering or your child is ordering and you say, no, I just ate before. <laughs> it's highly offensive to Shabbos. Highly offensive to Shabbos. So these were his three issues. Number one, the Gemara Psachim. Number two, Moshe Rabbeinu was punished. Who does this person think he is? And number three, you have meals late Friday afternoon. And therefore he says, I have to, I have to be Moshe. I have to make a... Uh, take a stance against this. That's what he says. It was directed at, at Rebelable Eger, although he didn't identify him, because Rebelable Eger was the person that year who was doing this. In addition, we have, an, we have a letter where Bishul Heshel Ashkenazi does identify Rebelable Eger by name about this. So it was directed to him. When the Misnagdisha rabbi of the city came out against Rebelable Eger, you can be sure that all the misnagdim in the city took the opportunity to jump on, to piggyback, and jump on the bandwagon and make life miserable for Blabelager. So he turned to some of his friends and he said, "Guys, help me out." So one of the letters he wrote to the Chidushe Harim. The Chidushanim was older than him, by about 20 years or less, but he had tremendous respect for the Chidushi Harim, who was a goin in, in learning. Mm-hmm. And Rebelegel Eger asked him, please, I'm, I'm in dire straits, the world is harassing me. What can you say in my defense? By Rebelegel Eger, when he would write these letters, he said, I know I'm right, I have my justifications, but they can't hear it from me, you know. I'm biased. They've got to hear it from somebody else. The Chidushi Harim wrote back, that I don't get it. The Gemara Psachim says the whole day is kosher for Mila. It's just Zrizin Magdimin. The Brysa doesn't say you have to do it in the morning. Faket, the Brysa says the whole day is kosher. It's just if you're Zoris, you do it earlier. 
In other words, the same price that's teaching you, you should do it earlier, starts off by saying, let's get, let's set the, let's get everything straight. The whole day is kosher. So how could anyone have a time to you that you're doing something wrong by postponing it? Concerning which, let's look at number four for a moment. This is a comment of Rabbi Yosef Engel in his commentary, Gilyone Hashas, on the Gemara Psachim. So this is number four. On the eighth day, you do the miller. Nun beis miznichtiv betzida is written on the side of his Gemara. Look at the chuvas of the Radvaz. Chelik beis simen six fourteen. The kasav the Radvaz says like this. Radvaz was a great one of the one of the greatest of the poskim five hundred years ago. The chsiv it says. I was telling Rabbi Korf yesterday that there's a debate if the Radvaz lived for ninety five years or hundred and ten years. We don't know exactly when he was born. We do know that he lived his last 20 years in Svas, and he had a whole career in Svas. So those that believe he was 110 maintain that his whole career in Svas started when he was 90. So life starts when you're 90. You know, life can begin then. Anyhow, the Hadvaz says, the Radvaz says a fascinating thing. On the eighth day you do the bris, it's mashme dafka late in the day. Dafka ichur dafka late. Va'afo pikein. But nonetheless, even though the pasuk seems to do it later in the day, still we learn from Avram's risen magdimen. Ayn shom the vitzark beer. What does Radvaz mean? Then he quotes the Meiri in Yuma Dav Beis. Here's a very important statement of the Meiri as one of the Rishonim. The cost of the Meiri writes like this. Kol ayoyim is kosher for Mila. Mikol makam nonetheless says the Meiri. It's roy, it's fitting. There's no obligation, it's fitting. Lezrizim lahaktim ba b'shachris to be maktim in the morning. Shaloy yeror k'misrashel ba mitzad chem losay ala ben. The Meiri says if you push off the Mila, it almost sounds like you can't bring yourself to cut the kid. The Rambam actually writes in Meir Nevuchim, you know why you do the Mila? so soon to birth. And why is Tafka the father? He says because while the baby is in the mother's stomach, the mother is very much attached to the kid. What, what, what shaykhs does the father have, you know? It's like, so no, I just had a baby. You never, your wife had the baby. <laughs> You're a passive uh, observer. If you had to do the miller a year later, imagine how attached a father would be to the kid. So if you do it a week after the kid's born, says the Rambam, the father doesn't yet feel such a closeness to the kid, he's okay <laughs> to go ahead with the procedure. But once feelings are created and it's nurtured a closer father and son, um, it would be much harder. Anyhow, along similar lines, says the Meiri, if you push off the mila to the end of the eighth day, it would seem like you're not really ready to perform the mitzvah. So therefore, Particularly by Brismil, it appears, you should be Oiches Darchi Ha'ovas, the path of the forefathers, that it says about them, Avram woke up early in the morning. That's what the Meiri says. Mashma Midvarov, says Rabbi Yosef Engel, seems from him, does Rizin Makdimin is not a Chi of Gomer. It's definitely not an obligation. The Meiri says, Roy, it's just fitting. In addition, the Indian is Rak Mipas, because Shadroy Laodim Lechus Badarchi Ha'ovas. You should follow the forefathers. Say, A, it could be dafka by Mila when there's a concern that it may appear you're not ready to do the mitzvah. <clears throat> Secondly, the Meiri just says it's nice to follow the paths of the forefathers. That's what it is. The evil, perhaps, time, or maybe, the, why doesn't the Meiri learn it's a real mitzvah? Because ain't the made in Mekoi de First of all, we know that the general rule, although there are many exceptions, 
anything which is written in the Chumash before the story of the Torah being given is not something we learn from now. The issue with that is many Achronim hold that anything which is logical we can learn from. Like the fact that Ein Ma'arvin Simcha Besimcha, we don't mix two Simchas together. Like Lovin told Yaakov, okay, you married Leah, let's finish the celebrations, then you'll marry Rachel. We learn from there you can't mix two Simchas together. Ah, it's written in Vayetze before Matan Torah. So Achra the Shvusyankov says, listen, anything which is logical you can learn out. So you would assume Zrizin Makdim in the Mitzvah is logical. You know, it's logical, you would learn it out. Nonetheless, says Rabbi Yosef Engel, this may be the reason of the Miri. The Gam, in addition, Loinema Betoris Chiv, it's not written as obligations. It's Saraklasis Kain. The Torah never said you have to, it's just telling what Avram did. Rakakos of Sipper that Avram did it. Valkane, therefore, in Yonah, according to the Meiri, is only that it's fitting to take the past of the forefathers and do what Avram did. The Gam also, Yoytsim Edvara, that it, it's Chiddush de Mila, that, that it's, it's, there's something unique by Mila. It's really more by Mila than anything else, because it shouldn't be appeared that, that you're not interested in the Mitzvah. We learn everything out from, from this so the, right, that's, but in the world of the Me'iri, it's not so clear. In the world of the Me'iri, you see two things. A, there's no Chiv, it's just, it's nice to follow the patterns of Avram. Secondly, it's mainly by Mila. According to the Me'iri, it would seem like by other mitzvahs, it really wouldn't be a big deal if you do it in the correct time, but at the end, no, nishkefelech. Then he just finishes off underneath. The Advaz now, the Advaz that we began with, the Kosav Ubiyoy Mashme Ichra that in the day really means later in the day. And his card he says, I remember the Khainu Barashi Yuma, it's a Rashi Masekhti Yuma. Rashi writes there, Biyoim, it's a short Rashi. And uh, luckily he remembered. The Yeshif Engel was a Baki uh, incredible, incredible genius. And uh, used to learn fourteen blood of That's right, yeah. And my father used to Schwatzir, used to walk, he used to walk with the Yeshif Engel. Yosef Engel passed away in, in 1920. His father would have been already 20 or something, right? 21 maybe. Right. So, Rashi writes, Rashi says when it says it means during the day, not at the beginning. Fascinating Rashi. Where did Rashi. he live? Somewhere in Galicia. In Krakow. In Krakow, I think. Where did he live, Rabbi Tarama? I know where he lived, but when he was... He was, in mm-hmm. he, was, he was also in Krakow. Anyhow. So it's in Krakow. That means, according to the Advaz, really, Mila should be Dafka later in the day. We learned from Avram to do it earlier. You know, there's a, a well-known psak of Reb Chaim Brisker. Reb Chaim Brisker said, if you have two kids in front of you, okay, one of them is a month old, but for some reason didn't have a bris yet. The other one today is his eighth day. Which one do you do first? Which kid do you mal first? So as usual, the stories of Reb Chaim go. Everyone said one thing and he said the other. <laughs> Everybody said, listen, you do the one who's the eighth day because it's his ma. The other, any, the other guy anyways is a couple weeks late. At least do, do the... Yeah, in other words, the other guy's late anyways. What's the difference now in six hours? But the guy who's today is the eighth day, you got to do like and do it right away. Reb Chaim said just the opposite. Chaim said the kid was a month old. Every single day, there's a, a prohibition of chorus that stands upon, well, the kid's a kid. But as far as the, 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 the nullification, the postponement of the mitzvah of mill is much more serious for him because it's already past the eighth day. Whereas 
the kid who today's his eighth day, he has a whole day. He has a whole day. If you do it later on in the day, the mitzvah has not been um, neglected and pushed off. It's the correct time. You have the whole day to do it. So Chaim said, Dafka, the other kid comes first. Because the other kid's already, you know, beyond the red line. He's already passed. The urgency is much greater for him. The eighth day kid, what's the urgency? You could do it later. You're not being mavato the mitzvah if you do it later. That was his psak. You're talking about a few minutes. Even if hours. it would be a few hours. Even if it would be a few hours. As long as it's the same day, Rebbe gave the same psak. Which, which L'chairim means as well, that if you don't do the bris, the eighth day in the morning, you push it off to the afternoon, nishkafelch, it's not considered being mavato the mitzvah in any way, shape, or form. It's more important for the kid that, that's past the eighth day. Exactly. So that would also, so that would be a, you know, that would go in the, in the lines of this Me'iri and go in the lines of the letter the Chidushi Harim wrote to his friend, Rabbi Belegu, to defend him. Listen, it's not so bad if you push it off, and if you want to, because you feel you'll be more prepared, go right ahead. Is that was one thing. What? Oh, okay. Well, we're hearing in Lublin. So, okay. Before we go to the next thing, we have to know like this. The idea of Zrizin Magdim and the Mitzvahs, that you do the Mitzvah at the earliest opportunity, that idea finds itself in Gemara in a number of places. And the Gemara cites different rules. They all seem to be heading in the same direction. But the Gemara has five different ways of referring to this idea that you do the mitzvah ASAP. One of them is mitzvah b'shaita chaviva. The mitzvah at its right time is precious. If somebody did a certain aveira, there are certain aveiras that depending on your financial status, that will be what atonement you bring, whether you bring flower, a bird, or an animal. If somebody was poor when he did the aveira, right? So he brings a, he brings a, um, a, a cheaper kapar, a cheaper a sacrifice. A dove, or he brings even, if he's poor, he brings flour. The shayla is, but the guy can get a job today and he can make some money and then tomorrow he can bring a much nicer, he can bring a better carbon. And the Gemara says, no, we don't do that. Mitzvah, b'shaita, chaviva. Do the mitzvah at the right time, even though, even though, it won't be, a, you could do it better tomorrow. There's another din of mitzvah b'shaita chaviva to gemarim psachim. Shabbos, you shech the animals on Shabbos in the base hamikdash. Exactly, the fats, the chalavim, the fats, and the limbs of the oiler technically could be brought mitzvah Shabbos as long as they're consumed. As long as they're on the mizbeach before Sunday dawn, then it's okay. Yet we put them on mizbeach on Shabbos. You're burning. You're cooking. You're mavashel. I mean, how could you do that on Shabbos? You could do Mitzvah Shabbos. Says Rabbi Shimon Bayechai, no, you see from there, doing the mitzvah at the earlier time, Bishaita, at its first opportunity, is so precious that it entitles us and enables us to break Shabbos. So that's, that's one idea. Mitzvah Bishaita Chavim. Mitzvah at its early time, at its initial time, is very precious. That's one thing. The other one is Rizin Makdim and the Mitzvahs that we saw. But there's a few others. One of them is called Shihui Mitzvah Loi Mashihinon. It's a Gemara in Yavamas. And it speaks there, Reuven's married to his wife. Unfortunately, Reuven passes away. He has two brothers. One of them is here, and he's not willing to do Yibum, to do the leveret marriage to marry the woman, but he's happy to do Chalitza. 
and to, you know, and then she can marry somebody else. We know though that Alpitaira, the mitzvah of Yibum, has precedence to Chalitza. Better to marry her than to than to divorce, divorce her and send her away. Already since the times of the Gemara, the Ashkenazim always did Chalitza, not Yibum, and the Sfaradim still did Yibum, but that's based on a whole sugi in Yivamas. As far, though, as the Torah is concerned, Yibum is definitely more preferred than Chalitza. But here's the deal. The brother that's ready to do Yibum isn't here. He's coming back in a month. The brother ready to do Chalitza is here. The Gemara says in Yivamas, it says a Svara, better do the Chalitza now. Ah, if you wait, you can get Yibum, and you can strike gold. We're not going to delay the mitzvah. Chalitza is also a mitzvah. You know, who knows what's going to happen in a month? We don't delay mitzvahs. So that's another idea. We don't ain mashin esha mitzvahs. We don't delay mitzvahs. Or the way the Gemara says it, she hui mitzvah. Delaying a mitzvah, loy mashin we don't do. So that's another idea. That's number three. Number four is a term we're probably familiar with. Ein machmitzin esha mitzvahs. You can't let a mitzvah become chametz. Where's that from? Rashi quotes in Parshas Boy, the Pasuk says, Oshmartem es Hamatzis, you should watch the matzis, make sure they don't become chametz. So the Mechilta says, don't read matzis, rather mitzvahs. You should watch mitzvahs, make sure the mitzvahs, you know, don't become chametz. Don't let it rise. Chap, right away, pounce on the mitzvah at your first opportunity. Ein machmitzin es mitzvahs. The Rambam in Meren Avuchim writes, whenever Chazal say, don't read it A, but read it B, it's just poetic. It means the halacha that the Chachamim are teaching is only from the rabbis. It's midrabanon. It's not minatayr. It's midrabanon. But they found the pasuk to hinge it on and to give it a poetic. Uh, so you should remember it and give it some substance. They said, don't read A, but read it B. That's the Rambam's opinion. Not everyone agrees. Others hold that it is biblical. But that's the fourth idea. The fifth one is maybe the most famous is known as Ein Ma'avirin Ala Mitzvah. You can't pass over a mitzvah. And this is mentioned in Gemara many times. Many times. You can't pass over a mitzvah. And this is the most serious. You see, Ein Ma'avirin Ala Mitzvah means if you have one mitzvah in front of you and you're able to perform it, don't pass over it to do a different mitzvah. By that, it means dafka to do a different mitzvah. But if you want to pass over the mitzvah to drink a, a bottle of Coke, that, that's not a problem. It's dafka to pass over mitzvah to do a different mitzvah. And it's the most serious, because it, it was said in the negative. Don't pass over a mitzvah. It's disgraceful to the mitzvah. It's disgraceful to the mitzvah. Now, when it comes to Ein Ma'avirin Ala Mitzvahs, how serious, let's just see where the Gemara brings it up. The Gemara, in fact, in Megillah, Davav mentions that when you have two adders, when do you do Purim? The first adder or the second? So it's Machlekes in Gemara, Machlekes Tanoim. One opinion says, we do it in the second to juxtapose it to Nisan, which is Pesach, another Yom Tov of Redemption. But the other opinion says, no, we do it, we do it in the first adder, at the first opportunity. Because if you don't, you're past Ein Ma'avirin Ala He uses the term Ein Ma'avirin Ala which is interesting because if you, if you choose the second Adar, you're not mamish passing over Adar Aleph, it's passive. So actually the, the, the great Shagas Arya wrote another Sefer in his older years, right? Which we said well, wasn't that... It's fast. It's, it's, no, when he went to, he went to France, France because he was, uh, 
he was taken care of by the community then. He was more comfortable, so Chaim Briska said it's not the same quality as his earlier sodom. But, 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 nonetheless, nonetheless, the Shagisario is one of the greatest of the great. And he wrote a sefer on some Masechtas called Tudei Oven. And on the Gemara there, he proves that the Gemara Taka doesn't mean that if you choose the second Adar, your mom is passing over the first Adar. The Gemara just used that term, but it's not, it doesn't have the severity of Ein Mavrin al at all. And he has a whole, he has a long piece about that. But this is an idea the Gemara mentions many times. Ein Mavrin. The Gemara in Yuma says about Tefillin. Okay, now what does that, now that you mentioned, what does that mean? There's a big debate between Rashi and Tesis what that means. The Gemara says about Shalyad and Shalrosh, Ein Mavirin al What does that mean? Rashi says, why is it that you first put on the Shalyad and then the Shalrosh? Why do you do that? Maybe the Shalrosh should come first. We have a rule, whenever you have two mitzvahs in front of you, whichever one is holier you do first, since the Shalrosh is holy, maybe that should come first. So Rashi says, no, you know why I do the Shalyad first? Because when you lift up your hands, first your hands will reach your biceps before they reach your skull. If you put the Shalrosh first, you're being maiver on the Shalyad. That's what Rashi says. Toysvah says that's, that's inaccurate. There's a different reason. It's because the Pasuk says, first on your hand, then your head. That's the reason. And therefore, Toysvah, what the Gemara means is something else. The Gemara means when you put your tefillin away, don't pack the Shalyad first and then the Shalrosh on top. Because the next morning, what are you going to do? You're going to have to pass over the Shalrosh to get the Shalyad first. So you can't pack up your tefillin that way. So there's a debate, Rashi Tais, it's what that Gemara means. Anyhow, this idea comes up often in Gemara, and it's highly serious. In other words, Zerizim Akdim in the Mitzvah, okay, we saw the Chidush Yarim, we saw the Beis Fengel, none before. It's much looser. In fact, all the other four ideas are much looser. The Shiyu Mitzvah, Loi Mashinon, don't delay a Mitzvah. Mitzvah Beshait is Chaviv, or don't be Mach Mitzvah Mitzvah. None of these are as serious as Ein Ma'avir in Allah Mitzvahs. Ein Ma'avirin is the most serious. In fact, there is a debate if Ein Ma'avirin is biblical or rabbinic. The Levush, the great Levush, Remar de Chayafa writes clearly, Ein Ma'avirin is an Isram in It's an Isram in In fact, there's a whole Shailah then. If you do pack up your tefillin and you put the Shalrosh on top of the Shalyad, what do you taka do? Do you taka pass over the Shalrosh to put on the Shalyad first? Why? Because the Torah says first the Yad and then the Rosh. But according to the Levush, the Torah also says you can't pass over a mitzvah. So there's a whole discussion. There's a Yosef Engel has a whole arichis about that. But the Levush holds Ein Ma'avirin is biblical. He's not the only one. The Chaye Adam. The Chaye Adam was a, a big misnagid, but a great scholar in the times of the Alter Rebbe. And he wrote a Shulchan Aruch, his own Shulchan Aruch called Chaye Adam. And he has a lot of halachas about this, about not being maiver on mitzvahs. And he also contends he believes it's minat Torah. The Radvaz, the Radvaz holds in the tshuva that it's only rabbinic. It's only rabbinic. So there's a debate about the source and how serious it is. But nonetheless, it's a serious halacha. You can't pass over mitzvahs. <clears throat> having said that, having said that, let's read number two. Number two is a couple halachas from the Alter Rebbe over here. Let's do this quickly. The Altarebbe says, if you put your talus and your tefillin in one kiss, be careful that you don't put the tefillin on top. Because until before we spoke about the shalyad and shoresh, but between talus and tefillin themselves, if you put the tefillin on top, you can have a problem. What's the problem? 
The next morning you're going to bump into your tefillin first. Now what do you do then? So Al-Tarebbe says like this. If the tefillin are going to be open and out of their case, you should put them on before the talus. If they're still in their case, better to pass over them to put on the talus first. Why is it important to put the talus on first? So there are a number of reasons that we're showing him. The Al-Tarebbe chooses the reason because talus is more of a constant mitzvah because it applies on Shabbos and Yom Tov. So you want to get that talus on first. It's tarder, it's more common. Whatever's tarder takes precedence. But if the tefillin were placed on top and they're out of their case, you can't pass over the tefillin. Ein ma'avirin is more important than getting the tarder first. But if the tefillin is closed in their case, so you're not really being ma'avir to the fullest extent, then it's better to pass over the tefillin to get the talus first. So what do you see from this halacha? If the tefillin are open, you have to put them on first. It's I, you want to get the right order of tadi of the more common mitzvah first. Doesn't matter. You can't pass over the mitzvah. When you, take out, the, right, when you take out the shalvesh first, you have to go and you have to put on the... Right, right. We asked the why. We asked the ask why. So I said there's a rich angle elsewhere. The chorwah ain't mavirin. No, there's another possible. Yeah, but even there's two psukim, so they should... No, but even so, why would you... Why would you actively... The says that. You yeah, but the Pasuk says, ain't the Pasuk says, the Shmarat Esa Mitzvah. When you put on the... But there's another Pasuk, another Pasuk you can't pass over Mitzvah. I said that Rabbi Yosef Engel has a well-known kasha elsewhere. If you hold Ein Mavir in his Doraisa, then why would you put down the Shalosh to get the Shalyad first? There's Psukim going in both directions. And he has a whole explanation, not for now. The Al-Tarebbe, then Allah Adal takes it a step further. And he says... Even if you don't have the tefillin in your hands, the tefillin are chveis. They're in, they're in the room, right? It's nine in the morning. In two hours, you're going to get a talus. Is it better to wait two hours so you can get the talus, so you can do the correct order of operations, talus first and then tefillin? Or perhaps no, maybe it's better to do the tefillin now. What two rules are at play? So here it's not ein ma'avir and alamid. Look, he writes in number dalit. The chayin sotu, the tefillin are, are ready in your hands, not literally in your hands, but they're near you. And the talus is not mezuman. You don't have to wait for the talus in order to put it before the tefillin, in order to get the correct order of operations. Rather, put the tefillin on right away. When the talus comes, you'll put it on. Because ein mashin es mitzvah. This is the other rule of you can't delay a mitzvah. Even though you might be able to do it better later. You could, you'll get the correct order of operations. Nonetheless, mitzvah b'shaita chaviva. So here the Alter Rebbe is quoting not ein ma'avirin, but two of the other rules. You don't, the shihui mitzvah, we don't delay, and mitzvah b'shaita chaviva. Because here we're not talking about the tefillin our mamish in your hands, even though he says we are, it means they're available to you. So here, even here the Alter Rebbe says, even though we're not dealing with the serious rule of ein ma'avirin, it's less serious rules. Nonetheless, they trump the idea of waiting in order to get the tadir first. So it seems like from these halachas, you always want to do the mitzvah ASAP. Who's the opinion in the middle? He says, No, 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 yes, no, 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 yes, is you could say, not yes, you could say. But here's the issue. Look at number three. This is a well-known steer of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe in Simon Sadiq Dalad writes in halacha, you're riding on an animal, okay? Can you do shmonesh when you're riding on an animal? Or if you're in a car or on a train or anything, you want to... It's, it's, it's already within the time frame of daven. You want to daven now. 
But in an hour or two, you'll be home, and let's say it's still within this Mantfila, and you could dive in there. So Al Tareba says, you have the right to dive in on the train, you could dive in on the animal, if you want. nonetheless. To do a better mitzvah, it's better wait until you reach your destination to dive in there while you're standing. If you know that when you go home, your kids aren't going to make you crazy, then there's no point of waiting. But if, <laughs> if it's going to be quiet, and then he says, See, so here he throws in the other because, because you have in mind to do the mitzvah better. There's no problem to delay if you want to do the mitzvah better. That supports it That's a direct right contradiction in, the, in, in number two. And Allah Chadalari says, even though you want to push off putting on tefillin, because you'll do it better by getting the talus first, which is the correct order of operations, no, mitzvah b'shayi tachaviv. And here he contradicts himself. This would support the blade later, the second piece. Yeah. Exactly. So what's the answer to this? So the answer to this is, there's a well-known debate between the Radvaz and the Chacham Tzvi. This is, a, this is the third Radvaz we're mentioning. The Radvaz was asked a famous question. There was somebody that was stuck in jail, and he was given one day that he could go out and do mitzvahs. Go to shul one day. What day should he go? Purim, to hear the Megillah, Rosh Hashanah, Feshay, for Yom Kippur. The Radvaz says, today, first opportunity. The Radvaz says, and he uses the words, Ein ma'avir in mitzvahs. He can't pass over an opportunity. Comes the Chacham Tzvi, who was later, a couple generations later, and he, from a number of proofs, he really wants to disagree, and he wants to say, if you have two different mitzvahs at hand, right, the mitzvah here, the mitzvah A that you have is a weaker mitzvah, you're allowed to pass over the mitzvah to do mitzvah B if it's a greater mitzvah. And therefore, you want to say this guy in jail would be allowed to pass so over a couple a, months of opportunities in order thing. to get the bigger mitzvah of Rosh Hashanah, one. He's talking about the same day. Okay, 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 hold on. So, the Chacham Tzvi wants to say that by two mitzvahs, you should pass over the first to get the second if it's greater. But if they're equal, then you don't. Yeah, yeah if it's equal, ain't But if the second one's better, if the second one's better, you would wait. Would Shafer be better than Tfilin? It's talking about a minion. Yeah, yeah, talking about a minion. Talking about a minion. Go to shul. Go to shul. Minion, minion, minion. You know, it could be Shafer have and Tfilin have. If it's just to go to base Knesses, <clears throat> Maybe you should go on a Tainus day, you know, or Yom Kippur. <clears throat> but hold on, so the Chacham Tzvi continues. The Chacham Tzvi continues. He quotes. He, the, he says there are Gemara in Meid Cotton that's Mashma like the Advaz. The Chacham Tzvi then says like this. Chacham Tzvi says like this. You know what? When it comes to two different mitzvahs, it's debatable. The Radvaz would say, you chap the first one. The Chacham Tzvi says, my God tells me you take the second one. But what if it's one mitzvah? And you want to push off the one mitzvah to do it better later. Says the Chacham Tzvi, here even the Radvaz would agree that you're allowed to push it off to do it better later. It's based on a din of the Truma Sadesh about Kiddush Levana. You could already bench the moon Tuesday night, you know, wait till Messiah Shabbos, why are you waiting? Said Trumatadesh, and Mitzray Shabbos, you're in a good mood. You know, and Kiddush Shavon has to be done with Teich Simcha. And the Trumatadesh says, as, now, if Mitzray Shabbos is the last day that you'll be able to do it, it's not worth it. You might miss the Mitzray completely. But if it's safe enough to do it, then push it off. Because you're going to do the Mitzvah better. So says the Chacham Tzvi, when it comes to two different Mitzvahs, so then perhaps it's a debate between the, the Radvaz and myself. 
But when it comes to the same mitzvah, all agree you're allowed to push it off. Now watch the logic. When it comes to two separate mitzvahs, the Radvaz would say, why are you casting away mitzvah A to do mitzvah B? You're insulting mitzvah A. I, because mitzvah B is better, that's a bigger insult to mitzvah A, making a chopped liver. But if it's the same mitzvah, I'm not insulting the mitzvah, I'm pushing it off because I want to do you in a better way. A better, a better way. So that distinction, the Chacham Tzvi, would obviously answer this contradiction of the Alter Rebbe. In Hilchus, in, in number three, is talking about the same davening. You, wa- you want, you can daven on the train, daven on the bus, daven on the animal. But you could daven better in two hours, so you're not belittling the mitzvah by pushing it off. It's for the sake of the mitzvah. But in number two, the Alter Rebbe is saying, the tefillin are ready. You want to push off the tefillin cause you could, so you could do talus before. How does tefillin gain by talus being donned before? You gain by doing the correct order of operations. The tefillin doesn't gain. So that would be the answer. So accordingly, when you put this by mitzvah's miller, l'chayre b'leibel eger was doing nothing wrong. L'chayre, here the chacham tzvi paskins clearly, by one mitzvah, everyone said you could push it off to do it better. Okay. So with this, Going back to Rebbe Lebelegir, so until now he was backed up by the Chidushi Harim, who says that Zrizin Makdimin is not an obligation, and the whole day really is the correct Zman. And we saw Rebbe Chaim Rishka kind of said the same thing. But Rebbe reached out to one of his cousins to help him out. And this is a very important part of the saga. You see, Rebbe Kiva Eger had a daughter who got married and unfortunately was widowed. And then, well, she was widowed from her first husband. And then when she was about 22 years old, a shidduch came up. She should marry someone by the name of Reb Moshe Seifer, the Chassam Seifer, who was almost the same age of her father. The Chassam Seifer was 28 years older than this woman. This woman was born in 1790. Chassam Seifer was born in 1762. <laughs> so what happened was they came to the Chassam Seifer and they said, listen, I want to marry Rebbe daughter. You know what the Chassam Seifer said? I would love to, but Rebbe probably doesn't want to have an Amaris as a son-in-law. They asked Rebbe no, we have a Shidduch for your daughter, the Chassam Seifer. Rebbe said, the Chassam Seifer probably wants to have a father-in-law who's a scholar. So the Shadchan says, I have a great idea. The daughter of one Amaris should marry the other Amaris. <laughs> Anyhow, apparently the daughter, apparently the daughter, it was also the Chassam Seifer's second marriage. The Chassam Seifer's first marriage was unfortunate. He married, he was 25 when he got married. He was like that. Well, no, but he married, a, but he got engaged to a woman. After the engagement, the family found out this woman was already married once. Wow. She's a widow, no kids. But it was like, no one mentioned this before. So they wanted to convince the Chassam Seifer to break off the thing. So he wrote a letter to his teacher, the great Reb Nossen Adler, and he was waiting for a response. He never got a response. He saw that as a sign from heaven, he's supposed to go ahead with the marriage. He did. He was married to her for 25 years, no kids, and she passed away. So by now, he's 50 years old. Kivega's daughter is 22. She meets the Chassam Seif for the first time. Apparently, it was close to the wedding. So I saw in one place, it was in the day of the wedding when she got a good look at him. You know, he has white hair and everything. She tells her father, Rikivegir, the guy's an old man. Rikivegir says, quick, get married. He isn't going to get younger. <laughs> they got married, 10 kids. Whoa. After he was 50, he had 10 kids. Whoa. Three boys, seven girls. So all of his kids, you know, his sons were like 60 years younger than him. Sure. You know, it was, um, 
the Chsam Soifer, he had a child. One of his sons, his name was Reb Shimon. Reb Shimon Soifer was a Rav in Krakow, in Matusdorf and then Krakow, known as the Michtav Soifer, the Michtav Soifer. And Reb Label Eger was first cousins, right? They're both grandchildren of Reb Kiv Eger. He wrote a letter to his first cousin. He says, help me out. And, and these, we have these letters printed, and it's fascinating. We have the letter that Reb Leib wrote to him. Reb Leib writes like this. He says, people are harassing me. He says, I know I'm right. He says, first of all, he says a fascinating thing. Look at number one. He says, Risen Magdim in the Mitzvahs. It should have said, if your Zor is, your Magdim Esham Mitzvah. What does Le Mitzvah mean? So he says, that means if your Zor is, you bring something before the Mitzvah. You know what that is? The preparation. You're marked into the mitzvah. You bring yeah, something before the mitzvah. The mitzvah. Like, wow, nice. <laughs> <laughs> he also teaches that you're marked in, you get up early towards the mitzvah. And you prepare. And you prepare. Yeah, you have to get up early. Not just that. When Avram woke up in the morning. He didn't do the mitzvah right away. Yeah, Avram Aaron started chopping wood. He should have done it in the middle of the night. You see from there that the hechshir of the mitzvah is like part of the mitzvah. It's like part of the mitzvah. No, that's exactly, that's exactly. Avram felt that the preparation is like the mitzvah itself. Anyhow, and uh, he writes like this in his letter. It's a short letter, it's beautiful. And he says that, you know, the Gemara and Baruch says that the early chassidim, before they davened, they would wait an hour. Before every tefillah, they would wait an hour to prepare themselves. Says of Leib if two and a half thousand years ago, they needed an hour to separate their minds from what's going on in the Ulam Hazid, to focus, what's going to be with us? <laughs> and not just for tefillah, but every mitzvah. This is what he says. His cousin writes back to him, and it's fascinating. His cousin wrote to him, he writes like this, Cousin, I got your letter on Shabbos, I was so excited. Right after Shabbos, I'm writing back. And he wrote to him a letter on one side of the page. On the other side, he wrote to him something else. And they're both printed in the Michtar Seif. What he wrote on the front page was for public consumption. On the back of the letter, he wrote a little uh, something between him and his cousin. And he wrote like this. On the, on, the front, on the front page, he says like this. He says, everybody knows that when it comes to one mitzvah, you're allowed to push it off to do it better. And he quotes the Chacham Tzvi, you know, he quotes what we just learned. He says, it's a no-brainer, you're allowed to do it. So this Yeshua Heshul Ashkenazi really has no right to offend you. This guy was an Amoritz. No, 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 well, no, because... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he says like this, says the Michtav Soipa, what I don't understand is like this. Why do you have to do the miller? Yeah, you tiny that unless you think Chassidus for eight hours, you can't do the miller. But there's many Mayalim in, in, uh, in Lublin. This is in the back of the Why place? does it have to be you? No, 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 this, no, this is the public. Okay. <laughs> Why does it have to be you? Why have to be you? Elamai, you're going to say that when a tzaddik does a bris miller, it's a better bris. As far as the father of the kid, the father of the kid might say, yeah, I can give it to Yanko the Mayal, but I want Label Eger to do it because it's going to be a better bris miller. And I'm allowed to push it off to do it better. And Reb Label could push it off to do it better. Says Reb Shimon Seifer, where did it say that when it comes to a bris miller, the bigger the tzaddik, the better the bris? It's well known the word to the Tzemach Sedek. He doesn't quote it. Tzemach Sedek said, you know, when by one of his kids, he had two Mayalim to choose from. Yeah, one of them special. was an older chassid, you know, 
<laughs> and the other one was a specialist, but yeah. he, he didn't know as much chassidus. Yeah. So he said, listen, what you need is the actual cutting. Yeah. So a similar thing, the, the, the Shimon Seifu says, listen, there's plenty of people that know how to do mill in Lublin. Why does it have to be you? So he's really cautious about giving his cousin the stamp. And then he says like this, he says, you know that by my father, your uncle, and by Isaiah, the minig always was to do bris Miller first thing in the morning. And he said, he says, you know why? This kid is an oral. He has a foreskin. You're going to leave him an oral because you're busy thinking, Chassidus, have Rachman is the poor kid. Do it right away for the sake of the kid. And he says that, you know, when we used to daven, when my father and when they were over there was a bris, when there was a bris, we daven earlier than usual to get the bris in ASAP for the sake of the child. And you want to do the bris milah? Let the kid rot with the milah with the with the with the oil for another twelve hours. God forbid. He writes very sharp. This is in the back. No, this is on the front. No, this is still the front. This is still the front. But he finishes. This is, but he finishes off by saying like this: that I understand it's not just you doing this; it's many people doing this. He says, "So I found a riot to support you." There's a medrash that says that when the yidden, when the yidden in Mitzrayim. We're getting bris miller. You know, before the Yidin left Mitzrayim, they made a carbon Pesach. You can only eat from the carbon if you have a bris. So it's the Chazal, they say that some Yidin Moshe was, they were roasting this lamb, and all these Yidin smelled the shawarma, and they said, well, what's going on? They were told, you want to have, you got to have the bris. They all had bris miller. <laughs> it's like someone comes to the kid and says, That's, I'm being Megaya right away. You know? <laughs> Anyhow, so who did the bris? So there's a medrash that says, Moshe did the miller, Aaron and Aaron did the prayer. So wait a second. It sounds like there would have been a line of line. people waiting. People are waiting for hours to get Moshe to do the bris. Why? He says, Shavit Levi always did bris miller. There were thousands of milim. You need Moshe. Apparently, you see, it's worth it to push off the bris miller that it should be done by a tzaddik. So he finishes off. He says, well, based on this, I think you do have a leg to stand on. That, you know, people in the city are allowed to push it off because they want you to do it. And you're allowed to push it off because of the Chacham Tzvi, that to do it better later, you could push it off. That's what he finished. Then, he, then it's written in his Sefer, the other side of the paper. And he writes like this. He says, the first thing I wrote, that's all true. I don't, I don't I'm, you know, I'm not backing off of that. However, between me and you, I've got to tell you, you might be a holy man. But, you know, no, but when you push <laughs> off things, people learn from you. And he says, you have all these people following you and they're busy pushing off mitzvahs by the hours, and they are not preparing themselves. They make believe the grace of tzaddikim, they don't know what they're doing. He says, don't you know what the Gemara says about Rabbi Kiva? When he used to daven by himself, he davened by riches. When he was in shul, he was finished very quickly. He said, when you're amongst the masses, you have to know how to behave. He said, it's having terrible repercussions. He says, you have all these, you know, it's almost like what happened, why do we dive in Shachris 10 o'clock Shabbos morning? Chassidus before. But instead, what happened is, Mishloft or whatever it is, I mean, some people still learn Chassidus, and, uh, <laughs> and, and we get involved in other things. That's Mamish, exactly what he writes to Blabel Eger. He says, you have the right intentions. You're a taker allowed to push it off. But then now everybody's doing bris miller right before Shkia. It's become a shtus. You know, people like Chatzchil are saying, oh, but do the bris at 4 p.m. for no reason. He says, you have to know how to deal with the messes. What you do in private is one thing, but you have a response, and he really gives it to him. And then he says, at least I love this, he says, my dear cousin, they were close. You could see in the letters, it's a, you know, it's a rebuke with love. 
He tells him, you quote the Gemara in Brachas that the early pious people would wait an hour before they daven. So now we have to wait many hours. He says, Fakert, the early Chassidim knew what they were doing when they prepared themselves. They would prepare for an hour. We, we do it right away. We don't even know what we're doing with preparation. We do it right away, right away, right away. And that's what, uh, that's what he writes on the other side. So this was kind of an endorsement. But one last thing is that the, the Rebbe Belega wrote to another fellow, one of the greatest minds of the time. I guess we'll end with this. Rebbe Tzadik HaKoyen of Lublin. Rebbe Tzadik HaKoyen, his Jewish Bachi, was a Koyen. Uh, he was born in the 18, early 1820s. He and he, he became... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually was an Ishbitz Chassid. He went to Ishbitz together. Aha, he was Label. also there, exactly. He was with Label. Label was a couple years older than him. And he also, after the Ishbitz had passed on, when Reb Label Eger opened up shop in Lublin, he would come. This Reb Sadek HaKoyim was, was, was one of the greatest minds of that time. In fact, when he was older, the Rogachova was a young man. The Rogachova traveled to him. And he wanted to speak to him in learning, you know, and the Rogachova wanted to, you know, to dazzle him. Sadek HaKoyim told him, Younger man, young man, when I was your age, I also wanted to show all the older rabbis I knew how to learn. <laughs> <laughs> This Tzadok HaKoyen was, was an incredible mind, and uh, he was a, a friend, a couple years younger, but a friend of Rebbe Eger. So Rebbe Label wrote to him, please, you know, I, I need another, endor- another endorsement. Because <clears throat> even his cousin, most of his cousin's letter was, you know, <laughs> was, uh, get an endorsement. He probably, exactly. Other, exactly yeah. <laughs> he never changed, huh? But uh, Tzadok HaKoyen wrote to him like this, and this is, this is uh, he says, Label your right hands down, and I'll bring a proof. Look at number five. It's a Gemara. It's a Mishnah insider. Yosef was zeicher to bury his father, <clears throat> and he was the greatest amongst his brothers. Right, Yo- Yosef took care of the kavur, and he was the greatest amongst his brothers. So look at the third line. Milano godlum Yosef. So it was paid back to Yosef, because who who was b- busy with? Taking Yosef's body out of Mitzrayim and bringing it to Eretz Yisrael, it was Moshe himself. And Moshe, in turn, gave this tremendous cover to Yosef, so Moshe received the honor that the Abishta himself was uh, uh, buried him. Says of Sadak Hakoyen, Yosef's family could have been responsible for the transport of his body. He would have had many people, many, many people. Instead, the family gave it up. They said, We want Moshe to do it which means having a tzaddik is greater than having the masses. Although we usually say, Barov am hadras melech, Hashem's glory is amongst the masses, you see from here that an individual who's a tzaddik is greater because the family of Yosef willingly gave up their opportunity for Moshe to do it. It was a greater honor, which means a tzaddik, although as an individual, is greater than the masses. Now says Rup Sadiq if you pass him like the Chacham Tzvi, that you're allowed to push off a mitzvah to do it better, and part of that is to push off a mitzvah to have a bigger crowd. In fact, we do that by bris milah. If you have a bigger crowd, you're allowed to push it off because the mitzvah will be enhanced. Barov am hadras melech is greater than zrizin magdim in the mitzvahs. And you can push off a mitzvah if you have a bigger crowd. Well, based on Gemara and Soita, a tzaddik is even better than a bigger crowd. And therefore, having a tzaddik do it for sure will trump the idea of zrizin magdim. And therefore he says that everyone in Lublin has the right to choose you as a moil. 
They'd have to choose somebody else. They're, I, they know it comes at a price that's going to be pushed off. Everyone's allowed to choose that. Because since you're allowed to push it off for a bigger crowd, and a tzaddik's better than that, for sure you could push it off for a tzaddik. As far as you pushing it off, you're allowed as well, because because Rebbe wouldn't be ready to do it until later on. And that also goes with the Chacham Tzvi. You could push off a mitzvah to do Make better later. So ultimately, Rebbe Eger was vindicated in his practices to push off the mitzvah to do it better. But the Misnagdim and Lublin really, really gave it hard to him. But with all of these, you know, once the Chidush Yarim wrote, Rebbe Sadek wrote, so he kind of, uh, what? He changed. <clears throat> right, right. There was some others as well. <clears throat> Anyhow, this is one of the Chassidic Misnagdish uh, controversies. It was all centered around halacha. As a, the, but although the rabbi fought Alpi Halacha, there were many hundreds of people jumped on, piggybacked, and gave a Blaybelegger a hard time just because he was a Chassid. But ultimately, the, the truth triumphs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful.